0: Just met someone, and the conversation leads to the inevitable question. So,
1: what do you do? A simple question calls for a simple answer. But what if your answer is never simple? What if your answer defies the societal norms? What does career happiness mean to you? This
0: show dives into convention breaking career choices, uncovering narratives of working professionals, and creating a space for those who wish to pursue their passions. This is, So What Do You Do?
1: Hey guys! Welcome to, So What Do You Do? Today in the studio, we have Catherine Rickefert. So Catherine, what do you do? Hi,
2: everybody. My name is Katherine Rickefort. I am a Broadway triple threat performer. So I sing, dance and act in various Broadway shows. I just finished my eighth Broadway show, which is SpongeBob SquarePants that closed in September. Um, and I'm also an industrial and systems engineer and web developer.
1: Awesome. Yeah, so um, Catherine's been in many shows, as she said, Spongebob on Broadway, Miss Saigon, Cinderella, and Mamma Mia, among others.
0: Yeah, and I think what's really unique is exactly what you mentioned, that you started off with a major in industrial engineering from USC. That's so great. Um, (laughs) So before we get into the career journey, I want to start right from the beginning. So can you just tell us a little more about yourself?
2: Sure. So um, I was born in Mesa, Arizona raised along with my little brother in in a household uh, where my dad was. uh, He is an engineer, a quality engineer. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom stayed at home and raised us, but she was also a math teacher. But Of course, being Filipino, um, they loved Broadway. And so we grew up listening to a lot of soundtracks and we would participate in community theater productions Mm -hmm. and we would take dance classes a lot. So it was really a happy childhood mixed with a lot of academics and art. And we always did both very full out, so to say. Mm -hmm. I sang in a church choir in my hometown Um, where we had this great music director who put together a super talented choir of teenagers. And that's where I really learned to find my own voice rather than just copying musical theater soundtracks. I learned to start improvising a little bit and riffing. Um, And of course, this whole time, very focused on academics, too. And then I ended up going to school uh, to USC, University of Southern California, kind of following in my dad's footsteps, pursuing an engineering major, but also doing a minor in musical theater. So mm-hmm. my days were spent very much in class, like total bookworm and studying. But then my nights, like even very late nights, were spent rehearsing um, for lots of projects, acapella, um, musical theater performances, dance performances, and acting.
0: What are three adjectives that you might use to describe yourself?
2: Ooh, I would say... I'm a Gremlin. <laughs> like, um, also fabulous, though. so fabulous. Gremlin, I don't know. <laughs> um, and
1: uh, enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have so many passions. Um, You have your engineering passion mm-hmm. and your musical theater passion. Was there a point in your life where you decided that you wanted to pursue more of musical theater than engineering? Yeah, I distinctly remember. So
2: I, I pursued engineering and musical theater pretty evenly in school. Mm-hmm. But like I always had the idea that the theater stuff, performing arts stuff was just for fun, even though I spent equal amount of time doing it. Right. I didn't think that I wanted to pursue it for a living. But the point at which I decided to actually kind of go for it was when I was close to graduating, finishing my undergrad, and I was starting to send out job applications. And I felt like as I was looking at all this paperwork for engineering jobs, like I felt something was like a little off. And... I kind of felt the call and the itch to try the theater life. And I was seeing friends of mine who had gone to different schools or maybe even didn't go to school and had just moved straight to New York. Just like seeing a couple of my friends from my hometown, from my dance studio being in New York and like living this very independent life from their parents like far away because you know I went to school pretty close to home my parents were still doing my laundry (laughs) so so it seemed very romantic to me that they were brave enough to go far away and try this thing that everyone tells you not to try and also I had done like a lot of productions and performances at school that like I had found really inspiring as an artist that was kind of when I was like stalking my friends on Facebook Mm -hmm. and seeing their pictures in New York I, I felt that I wanted to try it too. Mm-hmm. And it was also it wasn't even just about the art. It was about like feeling the need to grow up and, and try something scary and to challenge myself and to like learn how to do my laundry and yeah. not depend on my parents yeah. so much. So it was a mix of things. And also like I had done this thing, engineering, which like was supposed to guarantee me a job, but I actually graduated kind of like as the recession was like really... Hit in its stride and mm-hmm. so I didn't land an engineering job right away and I was like what is this I did everything mm-hmm. I was supposed to do this is supposed to be the guaranteed path if this isn't working out I mean I might as well try something even harder I guess yeah. so um it was it was like a lot of things kind of lined up for me to go to New York mm-hmm. and start pursuing musical theater
1: right that's so cool but what was the transition like yeah so it's definitely
2: different I mean my mom was wonderful and she helped me out a lot because I didn't know anybody in New York, but she actually had um, a very good friend from when she used to live in the Philippines who had performed in the original production of Miss Saigon in London. Oh, wow. His name is Bobby Martino. He's basically my uncle, even though we're not blood related. Mm-hmm. And he was living in New York and so she kind of hit him up and like asked questions about like hey if my daughter's interested in trying performing in new york like how would she start so he gave us a bunch of pointers on how to get started and he also ended up like helping show me around when i ended up coming to new york cuz again like none of my friends were there yet mm-hmm. but yeah it was very scary because if you are a performer and you are you don't have an agent to represent you and like basically like procure appointments for you you just have to go and crash these open auditions meaning you're not guaranteed a time slot to be seen so it's a lot of like waking up really early in the morning so I would you know I was like staying on friends couches and then I would wake up at like five in the morning to go get in line by like 6 15 a.m and mm-hmm. just like eat breakfast in line as everyone's like lining up for these auditions and then I might even end up waiting around the whole day until close to 5 p.m just to find out that like we're not going to get seen. And there was a lot of that. So it was a lot of like playing the lottery and spending a lot of time in line. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was different. And then auditioning and interviewing... Like, you're both of those, you're trying to prove that you're right for the job. But, like, in the performing arts world, you just, like, picture if you've ever seen the movie Fame. It's, like, literally there's, like, a waiting room with, like, a bunch of dancers (laughs) or people singing and warming up. And it's all very intimidating. Like, everyone looks so flexible and so fit. And their voice sounds really good. And I'm just like, oh, like, I just moved here. Like, I have no friends. Like, this is really scary. But what I found, um, contrary to what I expected, was that actors in New York are really warm and nice and helpful so I would just make a lot of friends waiting in line all day people mm-hmm. would give me tips as to like you know um, their experiences having auditioned in the past so I, it was actually like really fun for me and I, actually I, I wasn't even brave enough to move to New York solely for the purpose of pursuing theater I was still working on my master's at the time in engineering management and it was my mom who suggested that like I just take those classes online because this is one of the first years that um USC was offering master's classes that you could take remotely and still get the full master's degree. So I was, like, working on that and studying while waiting around in these auditions and then, you know, still pursuing this performing arts stuff. So Mm -hmm. I was, like, kind of doing my own like create your own study abroad
0: wow oh, that's awesome i know you mentioned that there is a lot of family and friends who are supportive of you mm-hmm. in this transition but did you ever feel some sort of societal pressure in the environments that you grew up in because uh for me personally growing up in the silicon valley mm-hmm. um, there was a huge push towards being a stem major or mm-hmm. going into entrepreneurship or becoming a ceo of like a tech startup company yeah. so did you feel any of that in your specific environment?
2: Um. You know, I actually thought that my parents were really fair about it. And I would probably do the same thing for my kids, which was when I was choosing my college major. And they asked me many times, like, what do you want to do? And I never was super sold on doing musical theater. Like, I didn't really want to do it until I was finishing up college. And so what they said was, "Okay, so if you're going to an expensive school where it's a private school and there's not a ton of financial aid, we are going to ask that you need to major in something that tends to be more, like, uh, economically stable, financially stable for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to, like, a UC school, because we're California residents, where you're going to get a lot of money, then you're totally welcome to major in, like, musical theater. So I thought that was really fair, because, like, they weren't stopping me from yeah. one or the mm-hmm. other. But, like, at that time, all I really knew is that I just wanted to go to USC. Like, I didn't really care what major. So in that mm-hmm. case, that's why I did, like... Um, my major in engineering and my minor in theater. Mostly, I just knew I wanted to choose a school that was good at many things. USC was all about Renaissance scholars, and I definitely identify with that. Like, I like to do a lot of different things and to go back and forth between the arts and the sciences. So luckily, not too much pressure um, from my parents. Definitely, like, there was pressure more from, like, my parents fellow like Asian American performers to oh like you're going to be the new Leia like Leia Salonga yeah that kind of thing and and that I found to be like putting me in a box Mm because I'm like I'm different than that I have I have other kinds of skills like and also Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like trying to just copy someone like I think I'm a very different person than that so I tried not to listen to that too much and yeah. it's it worked out really well for me like I'm very proud that a lot of the shows that I've done aren't necessarily like related to playing an asian role. That was like it's I don't know if that's necessarily pressure because I didn't really let it get to me. Um, But that's like kind of an expectation that I had found that like, to me, I was like, hey, like, that's kind of a limiting expectation. Like, you should think bigger than Mm -hmm. that.
1: Yeah, no, that's great that you brought that up, because now we see theater being more progressive. We Mm -hmm. see people of color playing historical figures, like in Mm -hmm. Hamilton. And you were in the show Allegiance, which Mm -hmm. was about the Japanese-American internment during World War II. So for me personally, I also grew up loving Miss Saigon and watching Lea Salonga. Mm -hmm. Was there a point where you thought, There aren't enough Asians being represented on stage. Well, certainly, I mean,
2: Lea Salonga was definitely my idol growing up, and she still is. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned um, that I got to work on Allegiance on Broadway, and one of the coolest parts of that was getting to work with Lea and actually, like, become her friend. And, like, because I definitely started that show, rehearsals for that show, like, not being able to talk to her. (laughs) Um, But I finally got over it. We got to be Mm -hmm. friends. So... Actually, like, she was definitely, like, a big figure for me growing up. And seeing that she had done not just Miss Saigon, but also, like, Les Mis Mm -hmm. was really cool. Yes. Um, So that, I actually, like, now thinking back on it, it definitely, like, inspired me as a kid to know that I could do it too. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really, like, notice too much, like, the lack of representation of Asian Americans or Asians on stage. Not really, like, until I got to New York and was hearing the perspective of other actors and then feeling it myself. Yeah. um, Luckily, I feel like my experience with auditions that I've been able to get seen for a wide range of roles. But I also have experience like not being able to go in for a certain role because they want somebody who's blonde. And yeah. to me, I'm like in certain stories, if it's very specific to the story, I understand. But in other times, that's I can tell that that's just like your preconceived notion of what would work well in this role and it's not necessary to the story. Mm -hmm. So I would find that frustrating. So the representation in theater has certainly come a long way, um, even in the time that I've been here. Um, But there's always, always, always room for more. Like what I always say to people is that the only way that we can really like turn this around is encourage more people to write stories that have room for us in mind and that aren't based on stereotypes, but Mm -hmm. are three-dimensional living people that are interesting and unique yeah rather than caricatures so anyone listening out there if you're a creative person please write direct produce pieces and you know keep us and our stories in mind
1: yes definitely i think it's good to have a natural story and do color conscious casting and as you mentioned, in the theater industry there's a lot of sense of rejection mm-hmm. and not necessarily because of your skill or talent but because of the roles that just don't fit you. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of people do you think would fit well in this industry?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be able to take so much rejection. It mm-hmm. is rejection up, down, left, right, all around and it hurts. Even if I've gotten used to this at this point. Um it, it's really tough and so you have to be resilient like my uncle Bobby Martino warned mm-hmm. me before I came here it's like 99 no's to one yes wow. which is actually I should look back and like do a spreadsheet on this but <laughs> it certainly feels that way and sometimes it feels even worse like for me I actually like the rejection really hurts um and if it, if I was only pursuing musical theater, the rejection hurts like ten times more. But I have found that like my own unique solution to handling that is having another simultaneous career that I'm pursuing. And um, so like earlier this year, I went to um a computer science boot camp to study web development, and I'll, I'll go into that later. But just going to school for that, and I hadn't even gotten a job in it, but just finishing that program um knowing that i had this whole other slew of options for jobs that i could pursue has made me audition better and handle the rejection much better because mm-hmm. i know that this like this musical theater acting thing doesn't own me that it's just right. it has become again something that i do for fun which is what it originally was and what it always should be for anyone who wants to do it if you become desperate you don't audition well like and people don't want to hire someone who feels that way they want to hire someone who feels like light and buoyant and joyous but not a lot of people do the solution that i've come up with
0: yeah i have some uh questions just on your current career path of Mm -hmm. performing arts and just uh what exactly do you find so fulfilling about performing arts and Mm -hmm. being in the broadway kind of industry and also Mm -hmm. uh what about that do you think brings you happiness
2: sure i
0: have a lot of
2: things that i love about what I do I think my number one favorite thing that I discovered as I started doing more shows and there are different kinds of shows but my most favorite thing is um, making people laugh so I have found that comedy is like really my jam that I enjoy doing the most and it makes me so happy when I land a line just right and I make a whole room of people laugh and it just feels so good another one that I've learned the thing that I've really loved is being a part of brand new shows so getting to be in the room with the people who are writing the piece that you're working on and getting to influence like how this character is portrayed like those are my favorite experiences because it's when I truly feel like an artist and like I'm helping to create art and also just like as a theater geek I'm like, oh my gosh, like, mm-hmm. I'm talking to Jason Robert Brown. I used to listen <laughs> to your albums, like, <laughs> all the cool. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so mm-hmm. so for me, like, one of my favorite shows I did on Broadway was Honeymoon in Vegas. It was my third Broadway show, but my first one where I was part of the original cast. Mm-hmm. And not only was I part of the original cast in of the Broadway production in New York, I also created the role when we did the out-of-town tryout. So mm-hmm. it was really, like, the stakes were much higher with my personal investment with the show because I'd never, like been with a show that early, testing it out, changing the lines mm-hmm. like during the day and then performing them at night and seeing how that lands. Um, and contributing my ideas to choreography and staging. Like, that was really cool. And to know that like there's no one before me that's done this. I mean, it was based on a movie, but the actor who played my role is Pat Marita, who couldn't be you know like more different <laughs> yeah. than me in terms of like age and gender. Um, so the role was very different. Mm-hmm. so this really felt like mine. Um, so that's one of my like super favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, I guess it's just, um, yeah, like doing theater and performing, it's, it's very personal connections with people and um, especially like shows like Allegiance, when you have a show that has an important message, it's nice to know that like for at least like two and a half hours, like people gathered together and like heard out your message and were yeah. maybe moved by it. So, mm-hmm. theater can also be like very important in those ways.
1: Yeah, and especially doing an original cast recording and being able to listen to yourself and to the team that you worked with. Yeah, what a memorabilia, right? Yeah, I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's so great. In the industry that focuses so much on the results mm-hmm. of a musical yeah. or the results of a show, and, you know, Miss Saigon being nominated for Tony of the best revival in a musical. Congrats, mm-hmm. by the way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> how is it that you can maintain a job
2: satisfaction. Yeah. So this is a really good question because when you do a when you do a new show, that's the only time that you really get to like um ride that wave of ooh, are we going to get nominated? Ooh, who's going to win? Like mm-hmm. and a lot of times like I didn't know this until I did my first original show, like even just the nominations alone and then also from nomination to winning can determine whether you all are going to have a job or not in the next yeah. few weeks or months. And so like for example what happened with us like so my first original show Honeymoon in Vegas we opened in December the nominations don't come out till I think April or something so we had to like we were hanging on by a thread we weren't selling that well but we kept ask you know finding producers to put more money in and put more money in just to keep us going at least until nominations mm-hmm. we didn't even make it to nominations we closed the week before nominations came mm-hmm. out and it was such a heartbreaker cuz then it's kind of like oh well they'll not nominate us really because we're already closed what's the point um and so that was like a really rough ride for me to see for the first time um during that show and then when the nominations came out I mean I knew we were already closed but I thought we would at least get one nomination right especially for hopefully at least music for the compositions by Jason Robert Brown um and we didn't get nominated for anything. And I just remember, so I'd already been, like, unemployed for a week, like, crying my heart out. I was, like, so hurt that, you know, we'd all lost our jobs a week before. Um, and I felt so angry. Like, I, I'd known that, like, of course these things are not, like, nothing's a real competition, you know. Um, of course it's always, like, rigged to some extent based on um, hobnobbing. And it's, like, a lot of different factors. Yeah. But it it's still, like, really, really hurt. Um And I was just like so angry at like, I don't know, the entire musical theater world that on that day, literally, I was like, okay, like, I'm going to go back to engineering for a while. Like, this is too much for me. And Mm -hmm. I like posted it on Facebook to put it out there to hold myself like accountable to this decision. And it like drove me to get a job at a startup. I worked at Home Polish for a few months and I just like walked away from theater for a while Mm -hmm. and I kind of like at least, like, didn't see, like, anyone in the theater community much for a while, because I just, like, was so hurt by this experience. Eventually, um, after four months at the startup, I came back to theater much sooner than I thought when um, the opportunity to join Allegiance on Broadway came up. And it was very sudden, and I felt my heart, like, I had kind of forced myself to... Not love this thing that I felt was bad for me because it's so up and down, right? Like, it's not like a very dependable thing. It's kind of like being addicted to something that's not good for you. When Allegiance called, I was, I could feel my heart like ballooning back up in my chest, like wanting to get out and be in the theater again. And so that's when I realized, okay, like I can't force myself to like only do this other thing, even if it's much you know, it's like more good to me, like it pays me, I'm not gonna lose my job. Like, you know, they don't people don't like write crazy reviews about us in public. And, you know, all that stuff. Um, um, so I came back to the theater, and I started doing more and more Broadway shows, actually. So things picked up very quickly after that. And so what I learned was that like, you have to let that stuff just like, roll off of you. So I did four more like, new Broadway productions after that. And this time, I noticed I was a very different person when the awards season's um, announcements would come out. And I saw that a lot of other people in the cast were more like how I had handled it the first time. Mm-hmm. And this time, I could be the person that was like, you know what, guys? Like, what matters most is, like, the connection that we're making with the people in this room right now who are coming, who've paid a lot of money to come see the show because they're excited about what the story we have to tell. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what matters. And, like, art is, like, very fleeting. Like, we can't depend on it to be this, like like dependable like business and source of income like you you can't look at it that way and can't depend on it to be like that and if you just like look at it like that then it's just like each show that you got to do is a blessing like in and of itself and like you just like don't count on a show to like be your permanent job forever because you just can't Mm -hmm. so I've I've just learned to let like all those um the drama and and like The stuff that comes around the accolades and the awards just like roll off my shoulder and of course if it happened to come my way if i got nominated (laughs) for something i would take it and i would milk that opportunity yeah but That's just, like, if it comes my way. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to let it, like, get me down and make, like, crazy drastic decisions.
1: It's so interesting to listen to an inside perspective on those award shows because as Broadway fans, sometimes we feel that those accolades aren't true reflections of fan favorites. Absolutely. Yeah, so there's so many people who would still love to see the show, but just because they were nominated, Mm -hmm. sometimes they close early. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I learned that there's a lot of politics around it, and there's this whole Mm -hmm.
2: world of, like, the producers world and then the Tony voters world but mm-hmm. even though I've now brushed by it with each show that I've done I still don't quite understand it it's it's, like, a whole different beast. So I've yeah. learned to just, like, you know what? Like, I can't control that beast. Mm-hmm. I'm just, like,
0: not going to let it hurt me. Yeah. Uh, another question we had is just, if you have advice for someone who might be unhappy with their current job mm-hmm. or at a crossroads uh, in finding their purpose in life. There's this, like, piece of advice everyone, like, loves to throw around, which is do what you love. I don't
2: necessarily agree with that. It's not right for all people at all times because doing what I love, let's say what I love for me personally as Catherine, is theater. Choosing to do it as like my career brought me a lot of pain and anxiety. I think like first you have to find what makes you happy as a person because I know plenty of actors who are perfectly happy living like from show to show and not knowing what's going on. It's like they they like that and and if that's what works for you then that's fine if you choose this as your career but If you're someone like me and you want to like have more control, then you should do a mix of what gives you a sense of control and what you love. I like would say like you shouldn't just do what you love. It's not like a solution that works for everybody and at all times. Definitely follow your heart. But... Also follow it when it tells you, like, I'm unhappy pursuing this thing that I'm supposed to love, then maybe I need to, like, rewrite my formula for how this works in my life. Like, so for, for me, that was, you know, I love performing, but I don't love it when there's all this pressure to make money from it. That's what I learned. So when I removed that pressure... I love performing again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. That's such wise advice, especially, I mean, talking from the college student Mm -hmm. perspective, looking out at the future can be so daunting, but realizing that like, it's okay not to uh, go 100% into something, but to Mm -hmm. have a backup plan, it doesn't mean you're getting rid of your dreams, but you're just... finding a way to pursue the dream more effectively
2: yeah it actually guess, like can support your dreams to have a backup plan yeah because it's it's funny like people will ask me about my career and they'll be like oh you must have been like the most happy where you when you were in this like biggest show that i've heard of the most yeah and usually that's not true usually what makes me the happiest is when i really helped shape the product so usually if it was an original show hmm um, and actually, kind of like the smaller unknown, unknown shows, I was more happy because it was a smaller team and it felt more like something that like we, the group, created rather than this like big show. Like for example, Miss Saigon that had existed many years before I even started doing this. Like yeah. that, I didn't get much happiness from doing that because I didn't help really shape what the show is. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I'm happy when I like own things. So like the last two weeks have been some of my happiest, actually, because um, I worked on projects that were super exciting. They were also the projects that paid me the least, but I was so happy. So um, a super cool project that I worked on was a reading of a brand new musical called XY. For any new contemporary musical theater fans, you should keep an eye out for it. It's by Oliver Hauser. He wrote the book music and lyrics and it's directed by hunter bird and so we just did this like presentation of it a 45 minute cut in front of some producers to see if this thing works to see if anyone's interested and we were kind of like the unknown ones at presenting at this festival and we made a huge impact on people and i was really happy and i played like a really great role um i um and the love interest, and I got to like make people laugh and cry. And it was just like so, it made me feel so good to like make a group of people feel all these feelings. Um, so that was one project that made me really happy. And again, super small scale, only a small room of people saw it, but that made me even happier than some of like the biggest Broadway shows that I've done. And then the other thing that made me really happy in the last week is that I'm actually collaborating with my brother, Super Smack, Ooh. on. Um, music video for one of his original rap pieces called Choose and I am helping direct and choreograph it so this is the first time that I've directed and choreographed something in my like professional adult life I used to do it kind of in high school a little bit in college but not really and um, again I was happy because this was a big challenge but I was collaborating with someone that like I really like drive down the ideas with. Um, and we like own this product. Like we're producing and directing and creating it, and it's like truly our vision, me and my brothers. So that's happiness for me is working on projects like that.
1: It's great that you found career happiness in both large-scale projects as well as in your more personal projects.
0: Thank you so much, Catherine, for sitting down with us and sharing your story. So now it's time for The Debrief, where we discuss our own perspectives on the interview and apply some of our own experiences and background to the conversation.
1: How incredible was that? Catherine's so inspiring. It
0: was really great. I love talking with her.
1: Yeah, I can't even fathom juggling between two careers that are of extreme opposing spectrums. It's so cool because when I first moved to New York for NYU, the first show I watched on Broadway was Miss Saigon. No
0: way. Yeah.
1: I remember reading Catherine's bio on the playbill and being so amazed by her. And now we get to speak to her years later. I think that's just a fascinating experience. I love that. The Mm -hmm. circle
0: of life. Yeah. (laughs) So I just kind of thought maybe we could talk about like any perspective shifts that we had, maybe some conceptions about her career journey that we had before the interview and then what we think now after the interview.
1: No, I was really excited about this interview because I love reading up on the Broadway industry. So I thought that I knew what to expect going in. But I was wrong because it's interesting to hear from someone in the industry who goes through such highs and lows and, you know, learning about the politics behind award shows and how they may favor certain stakeholders.
0: Yeah, and on the similar vein, I learned a lot about what it's like to be an Asian American in a career that, you know, there's a responsibility to represent other Asian Americans on the stage. So I thought that was really interesting to get that insight. But for me, I think the main career conception that I had was, Just that it's hard to do both at the same time. So Mm -hmm. when I first read up about Catherine and her career journey, just, you know, before talking to her, just like on paper, it seemed like she was going for STEM and then she abandoned it and pursued Broadway. But Mm -hmm. talking to her it was made really clear that it was more of a, a gradual transition. And there's not even a full transition. She's yeah. still pursuing a lot of industrial engineering type work while still being a Broadway performer. Um, and I think that's pretty comforting, just that you can pursue a hybrid of the two. And um, it reminded me of the, the quotation, the saying that, you know, Beyonce has the same 24 hours as you. But <laughs> listening to her story, I honestly think it should be changed to Catherine Ricke Has the same 24 hours as you because this.
1: Yes, definitely. This girl
0: is, you know, on fire. She's doing a lot of industrial engineering. She got her master's, she mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. In that field. And then she's also amazing as a performer. So I thought that
1: was great. Ambition, perseverance, dedication, all bundled up into one unique and super sweet person. Yes, yes. After the interview, did you have any takeaways from what she said and maybe some personal experiences that you want to share?
0: Definitely. I think one of the most important takeaways I got was uh, the wisdom where Catherine just talked about how you shouldn't just do what you love, but you should find what makes you happy and also Mm -hmm. have an understanding that you need to support your dreams in an effective way, which maybe means taking on a job that gives you financial stability or taking on a job that gives you some sort of career stability because sometimes pursuing your dreams can be risky and dangerous. And I think the common conception in society is do what you love at all costs follow your dreams no matter what Mm -hmm. but I personally always found that to be so much more scary and daunting than having some sort of backup plan and I feel like it's frowned upon to have a backup plan because that means that you don't believe in your dream 100% but you can believe in a dream pursue the dream but still have some sort of effective way to do that and I think she talks a lot about how uh, having industrial engineering as a career has given her stability that adds to the career happiness yeah
1: 100 percent. that's my favorite (laughs) advice from her too it really related to my personal experience because just like Catherine I also grew up performing all my life like I started when I was five I would do all these like self-produced no budget performances in my living room (laughs) in front of my family and friends and I would like direct write and choreograph just like she did with her brother that I would do with my cousins as well as I continued to grow older, I started performing as well in school and in acapella shows. But there was a point of time where I was fully conscious and aware of the fact that what you produce out there and what you perform to the audience can be definitely prone to criticisms and judgments. And they can always be either positive or they can be sometimes negative and mm. really harsh. It started to become more nerve-wracking than excitement for me to perform. So I would be really really anxious before a performance and I just didn't like it at all. I was just forcing myself to love it because I thought if this is my passion and this is what people know me as, if I just threw all of it away because I've grown up doing it all my life, I felt that I would lose my identity and somehow like the dreams that I didn't want to achieve anymore that I had when I was a kid, it would be like I failed Mm -hmm. and I didn't succeed in terms of that performing arts aspect. But after hearing Catherine saying that you need to consider your mental well-being and your happiness over your career, I thought that that was really, really inspiring because it just shows that you can be competent in other avenues. And that's why I chose media and communications, because I feel like I can still be in that entertainment business aspect, but have some sort of control over my fate and, you know, provide these roles for other people who may need voices like as she said, the Asian community, instead of waiting for roles to be provided for me.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think definitely the aspect of taking away the pressure just because you're finding your career happiness on your own terms Mm -hmm. is so important. And I'm so glad that that message resonated with you, um, especially coming from a performance background.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I just want to acknowledge that all those stage actors out there are killing it. It's not an easy task to be performing live every single night. And, you know, this goes to show that some people do thrive on the adrenaline and the nerves to excel in their careers. But I found out that I was not that type of person. And I want to thank Catherine for reassuring me that it's completely okay to diverge from your initial plan in life. And I think it goes to show the same for you, too, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's so great. I think your response to, you know, all the takeaways and the wisdom from Catherine's interview just goes to show how much um, the podcast really impacts your life and my life, as well as hopefully everyone who's listening.
1: Yeah, that's great. Also, for all the listeners in the United States, the live filming of Catherine's Broadway show, Allegiance, is hitting the big screen in theaters across the nation on December 11th.
0: Inspired by true events, Allegiance is the story of the Kimura family, whose lives are upended when they and 100,000 other Japanese Americans are forced to leave their homes following the events of Pearl Harbor.
1: Make sure to get your tickets to watch this incredibly moving musical starring Catherine Rickerford, Leah Salonga, and George Takei.
0: Here's a sneak peek at Allegiance on Broadway. It's our time
1: to rise, from water.
0: you just heard was called Our Time Now from the Broadway show Allegiance.
1: If you want to find out more about Catherine, check her out on CatherineRickeford.com or on Instagram at CatRickeford.
0: If you want to find out more about this program, check us out on WNYU.org or on our Instagram at SWDYDPodcast. If you want to get to know us more, follow us on Instagram at Arnell Ariana and at It's Just Joanna.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into So What Do You Do?
0: I'm Joanna Yamakami.
1: And I'm Arnell Ariana.
0: Join us again next week for another episode.